Before we start this podcast, we would like to acknowledge the true locals, the First Nations people who have been custodians of the lands, waters and cultures for tens of thousands of years. We pay respect to First Nations elders past, present and emerging and acknowledge that this podcast is taking place on Gadigal land in Australia where sovereignty was never ceded. Matt Dunsmore is a big wave charger from Sydney's northern beaches. We sat down to talk about the recent swell he chased down a Shipsons Bluff where he ended up taking a wave that snapped his knee, leaving him with a broken ACL and MCL in one of Australia's most remote coastal areas. Podcast powered by Board Socks with your host Dan O'Connell. Matt on the podcast today. How you going, mate? Good, mate. How are you? Yeah, doing well, thank you. Thanks for having me in uh, beautiful Northern Beaches. No worries. It's a nice day, which is good. Yeah, it's a cracker day. We're here at um, Matt's parents' house. It's beautiful. He's uh, spending a little time back in the in the nest, recovering. Yeah, exactly. Um, a few months out of the water, so back here with my parents fortunate enough to let me stay here while i'm um recovering which is good yeah cool before we go into that um accident and kind of what went down over in tassie do you want to tell us a little bit about what it was like growing up in the northern beaches yeah um super fortunate the area <laughs> um it's surrounded by plenty of opportunities sporting wise schooling wise um pretty much it's got everything you need growing up um there's a lot of people um, around you pushing whatever you choose to do um, whether that's school whether that's sport whether that's anything you've always got competition um, and people making sure that you, if you're going to stand out that you need to be better than them pretty much pretty fortunate to be honest yeah for sure and I, before I came to Sydney I actually didn't really know too much about the northern beaches and when I first came over here I was just like blown away I was like this has got to be the most beautiful part of Australia with suburbs anyway like yeah it's like Northern Beaches it's like crowded like it's definitely people around um traffic can be bad and stuff but it's not like a city you can still go down to the beach and have a section of the beach to yourself or um go down have a coffee without having to wait half an hour like in the city and stuff um if you know where to go um yeah it's probably one of the best places to grow up especially bring families and stuff up I had a great upbringing so um I assume a lot of people around around here in this area would be fortunate enough to have a good upbringing as well. Yeah, for sure. And um, it's, like I said, a beautiful area. Um, however, I guess the reputation of Narrabeen surf um, competitive-wise isn't always that pretty. Like, I've always heard that if you're not from Narrabeen, Narrabeen's kind of one of the hardest places to get waves and brings like quite a a strong energy if you kind of rocked up maybe especially back you know 10 20 years ago type thing is that how uh, do you... absolutely it's still like that it's probably um still one of the most localized waves um around in australia at least there's still a couple that hold that reputation um it's it's pretty interesting to be honest um the locals hold it down the locals want their waves um, and it's gotten to a point now where no one really tries to surf it if they're not from there and if they do they just get the scraps. Um, there's so many good surfers at North Narrabeen so like they're on every wave 
So it's not like, oh, normally you go down to another beach, it's not so so famous or not so many good surfers and there aren't as many good surfers out, so you still might get good waves. Whereas you paddle out northy, there's 30, 30 good guys in the water opposed to like maybe five good guys and then the rest are just locals that kind of just out there to surf. So it's not so much like they're enforcing it every time you go surfing there. It's just a matter of like there's so many good people out there that they're like going to be on the good waves on pretty much every one of them. Yeah, for sure. And that's that's exactly the experience I had. I was like, oh, that pack up there is just so tightly held. I'm just going to sit on the inside and get the scraps and just get a few wobbly ones. And yeah, that's exactly how it went down. Um, sure. Growing up, how did you kind of find your place in that lineup? Was it? I was surrounded by so many good surfers, old, older and my age. And then when I started to grow up, I had young guys coming through that were amazing as well, I guess me being such a competitive person i had to try and do something um among my friends and stuff that kind of stood out i was looking at my mates at a young age landing full road air versus when i'm 13 14 years old and i'm like shit like why can't i could do that kind of thing i've been surfing as long as them and i was i just kind of decided that i like surfing bigger waves and i wanted to make a stand getting big barrels and trying to go out as much as I could when it's bigger and that's just kind of the path I've taken realizing that I'm not going to be a comp surfer but I did a lot of sports when I was younger and I stuck with surfing that's the one that I was most passionate about so I think if I'm going to stick with something I'm going to have to find a way that pushes me to kind of do it at a high level and that's what I did. Yeah for sure and I guess that thing uh, doing full ropes at 14 might be hard for a guy that's Six foot six. Yeah. I was never that tall when I was young. I didn't grow until I was like 16, 17. I went from 5'10 to 6'6 six, six in like a year. Wow, that's Maybe insane. two years, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, when you kind of realize that, you know, your niche in this area is going to have to be somewhere different and you're exploring this kind of big wave world, where's some of the places that you cut your teeth around here? Does North Nara offer a big wave spot? when it gets big, um, there's a there's a bomby there, but it's it's a burger. It's not like a a very good quality big wave. Um, once every now and then it gets big and you can you can surf it um, quite large, but it's not like a barrel or a big wall. It's just a takeoff. A lot of the waves around the northern beaches um, aren't quality big waves, but it does get big. So for example, Dead Man's um, some of the bombies around here. You might get one day a year at each spot that get good, but they're not quality. Um, trying to become, or not trying to become, but having a passion for big waves is quite hard around here, to be honest. Um, you try and you really want to chase big waves, but it just doesn't, you, the quality of big waves doesn't happen around here. Um, for example, I go to Tasmania and they've got shipsterns, and I go to shipsterns now and I'm not a local, I can't get whatever wave I want. And I go to Tahiti, the Tahitians get the best waves. For you go to Hawaii, you go to Pipe, the Pipe locals get the best waves. And I don't really have a really good quality localized wave that's big. So when I'm going, I really need to either go something that no one else wants or go the biggest one that's quite scary and just happen to be in the right spot that no local isn't gonna swing or if I'm friends with them, they might go, shit, he's been waiting a while it's his turn, but I don't really have somewhere that I can like pull up rank and be like, look, this is my local big wave spot. 
you're you're a blowing kind of thing, or mm. you're a friend of mine, or someone that's not from here to come here, and then I don't have a rank to pull. South Narodine sometimes, I guess, gets big, and um, but then normally the people surfing there are all from Northie, and I'm friends with them, and they're all charging just as hard, so I can't pull rank anywhere. Really. It's quite hard doing that, trying to be a big wave surfer when you're when you're not having quality big waves around. Yeah, that does make sense, and. That's heavy that it's <laughs> all, annoying. all the local spots are just big burgers, not yeah, ideal, but exactly. I guess that's kind of the story for a lot of the East Coast really, like, you know, we're not not kind of fortunate like, you know, some places down south, Victoria, SA, WA, and that just comes with the territory. Yeah. Um, so did you do, knowing that, did you have to travel quite a lot when you were sort of really wanting to get into this? And I wish I did it earlier. I wish I travelled to bigger waves earlier. I just kind of surf. Every time there was a soil, I'd just surf southie, and that was my thing. Um, I got quite a good shot in 2016 in that East Coast low we had. Um, kind of went viral, and that was... There's a photo of you kind of like... Over the building, yeah, pig dogging. There's yeah. a building that's an insane photo. Who, yeah. who took that? Mark Onorati. Yeah, um, what a shot. Yeah, he's a great photographer, to be honest. Um, and after that, I was like, I don't think I'm going to get a better shot south than that. I mean, it's just like it's the biggest world we've had since I've been around. Um, and I'm like, all right, shit, I can't beat that. So next wells, I'm just going to have to start going to other places and try and get better shots there. And, I ended up just figuring out, like, Sydney sucks for, for big waves. Like, sure, sometimes I stay home, but the next couple of years I ended up just um, chasing waves elsewhere when I saw swells, whether it was up north or down south, um, and then started trying to fly to swells. I flew to Fiji. Um, that was my first strike mission was cloud break. Um, how, how did that go for you? It was amazing. It yeah. was like it wasn't. It was meant to be kind of 10 to 12 foot um, for five days straight pretty much the whole time and it was about six to eight which is perfect inside ledge it didn't stop like it was it was insane and that's pretty much when I started to get my my feel for like chasing waves properly and um I loved every minute of it it was like five days of just pure stoke and like at the end I think I fainted or I did something I fell off the chair and was just like I couldn't walk anymore I just surfed for so long in the sun for five days straight all day every day like I was just so buggered but I had the best time ever yeah surfed out completely yeah. and um yeah so I guess that's a bit of a background about where you got the bug from um your latest trip you're away for about a month um across Australia do you want to tell everyone a bit about where you were and yeah I um I moved up to Byron for work um, I was meant to be there for about six months and people would be like, oh, there's a cyclone coming and everyone would froth out and Kira would probably be like four to five foot. And I was like four months of just seeing Sydney. I missed a couple of good Cape swells. Um, I missed one good swell down south. And then I was like, oh, I just keep missing all these swells. I like living up here, but I definitely can't, can't live here. And then I applied for a job in Western Australia um, and they said, yeah, you need to get over here pretty quick. And I was like, oh, shit, I've just been working for, like, COVID for, like, two and a half years because I couldn't travel that well. I was like, I just need a break before I'm about to go back into a full thing of work. And I, um, I decided I was going to go to Victoria and surf a wave down there, but the lake entrance was closed to the wave I wanted to surf. 
So I just pinned it straight over to um, Western Australia, up to South Australia. Yeah, in the car. Yeah, in yeah, the car. Yeah, a bit of a mission from yeah. Lakes to SA. Bought a jet ski on the way, and um, I just had planned of chasing waves uh, for a month. Uh, it was about three weeks, and then South Oz parked up there and just got pumping waves. Nothing big. It was like four to five foot every day. Sleeping in the dunes, having fires, kind of. Just solo, or are you with? I uh, went solo, but I met a couple of guys there, um, and we just hung out for two weeks, and that was epic. And I made my way to West Oz. Had four days in West Oz. It was fun there, and then I did my um, my work preparation. Um, they they made me do, and thinking that I was going to fly out for work um, straight after that, and I woke up on the Wednesday morning in West Oz and I'd been talking to my mate Danny Griffiths that's over in Tassie about shippings and um, we were going back and forth and I was like, do you reckon it's worth it? The wind looks a bit sus, the big day and I woke up and um, it was seven in the morning and he texted me saying three days of stern, just do it. And I was like, looked at flights and I had three and a half hours till my flight to get there and it was a three hour drive. So I had to make up 15 minutes to make sure I was there 45 minutes before my time. So I was booking my flight while I was driving, stupidly. Um, and then booked my flight, booked my parking, pinned it there, got my parking, and then was like... Is this with a jet ski on the back? Uh, no, no, I left my jet ski in okay. my mate's place, luckily. Yeah. Um, and then was running through the airport, and I was like, oh, I need to check in. They're like, oh, you're a bit late. And I was like, oh can I get on? And they were like, yep. Ended up taking me 17 and a half hours to get there. Um, wow. I had to, from like door to door. From door to door, yeah. So. I woke up camping in, in the morning at seven. Uh, and then I got to Danny's place at about one o'clock in the morning, I think. Um, I don't know how many, how many hours that is. Um, and then we woke up and went out to Shippies at five. Yeah, wow. Um, before we get into that session, which we're going to touch on for a while... Um, yeah, how do you think some of these best waves in Australia that you surf compared to world-class waves you've surfed overseas, say like Fiji? And... Yeah, I think they're way, way gnarlier slab-wise. I think there's way more power in a short section of, of reef. Um, overseas, you get you get power, certainly cloud break, um, chopu, but I feel like the, the waves here are shorter and just so much more power into one spot. Um, you can get a lot more flogged here, I think. Um, not opposed to like drowning or, or um, yeah, drowning, I guess. Like, yeah. <laughs> like Fiji, you, you can drown there if it's massive. Um, Chopu is probably the only one overseas that's a, pretty similar to Australia. I haven't surfed the right, but I'm, right looks like the most intimidating wave in the world. And that's pretty much why I bought my jet ski was to make sure that when the right swell pops up, I'm not trying to scab a lift out there and hope for a tow. And um, I moved to West Oz, so I really want to surf that, and I'll give you an update on that, what it's like. Shipsterns is the most unique wave in the world. It's crazy. You never know what's going to happen. You can take off on a wave and there'll be no step and you get a perfect barrel, or you take off on a wave that's got three steps and you get flogged through rocks. Like, <laughs> it's just... Um, there's so much water coming from so far away in Australia, straight onto slabs south oz victoria um south coast tassie and then up north not so much up north more point breaks and fun which is kind of why i didn't like living up there but 
Australia's pretty epic for what I like doing. I just need to explore it more. I keep going overseas and this year was meant to be the year that I was going to be trying to surf South Oz and West Oz more, but it is what it is. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Doing that. And um, you talked about two waves there, ship sands and dead man's. Uh, you've surfed both of them quite a few times. How do you, because they kind of look similar-ish, yeah. I guess. They both have steps and they both aren't perfect yeah. for most of the time and then you can get that perfect one. Um, how do you kind of compare the two of them? Dead man's is like a very poor man's ship stands. It's, um, it clamps, some of them you just don't get barrels, some of them close out. It's, there'll be one or two good rides, a swell. Um, and the last couple of swells has been that. Kui got one, uh, Max got the other in this swell, Tommy Myers got one. They're probably the only three waves that I saw in that swell that were good. I was actually in South Oz and I called Kui. I think he said it in his podcast. I called him going, I think I'm going to fly back for Dead Man's. Looks really good. Like, it looks like that last swell a couple of years ago. And um, but then he kind of, he was like, oh, it's Dead Man's. Like, it's, it's not a very good wave. Everyone just gets flogged. There might be three good waves. If you're not on that three good waves, then it's really not a good wave. If you look through the reels of all of them, people are just getting flogged left, right and center. And like, ship stones, if you make the drop and the step, you get in barrel if you pick the right wave, um, whereas Dead Man's, you can make this crazy step and this big takeoff and then just get no reward. Um, the barrel will clamp or it just does a barrel or it blows out. So the height for Dead Man's is, has been massive these last couple of swells. Um, and I think people are really trying to hunt those three good waves as well. It's epic. Um, but I think also people are trying to now figuring out that it's not the wave that it's called out to be kind of thing must have been pretty um funny for you sitting on the other side of australia watching your mate who's normally probably the most hesitant about going there get one of the waves of the day what did you say to josh after it oh congrats i was stoked for him it was epic i mean i spoke i saw some videos in the morning i woke up and looked straight on instagram to see was i had massive fun and um messaged about 10 people straight away saying what's it like am i missing it kind of thing and everyone told me it was shit and i'm like I had a few mates just going like, it's just gurgly, it's heaps of steps, no barrels, like it's it's just not good. And then um, I saw this video, so it, like, it looked like it was pumping, and I was like, it's typical um, social media making it look better than what it is. And then um, I saw Kui's one from behind, and I was like, it was like that behind angle, and I was like, holy shit, Kui's just got the best wave, it's like paddle wave of New South Wales ever. Um, it was mental, he got an insane, insane big drop it was i don't know how big that was but it was a solid wave for sure if you're on one of those three waves it's a world-class wave but if you're not you're getting flogged i've surfed out there several several times and i've probably only had three or five good barrels out there and i've been so flogged out there i think one time i fell off at dead man's and i came me at manly beach it was just like i got washed all the way down to ferry bower and just Ferry bow was breaking really wide and I just kept getting flogged, flogged, flogged out half a board and then I couldn't get in the current and I ended up just getting washed into Manly. Wow. Well, yeah. yeah, it's a long way. <laughs> it's probably a couple of Ks. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, talking about like guys like you and Josh kind of, I would say like on the forefront of um, the underground big wave slab surfing community um, in Sydney, what do you think the difference is between like guys like you and then guys that actually end up getting the contracts type thing that, 
lead to a professional career? Like what's kind of separating those two levels? Is it getting harder or easier, do you think, for guys to make careers out of surfing just big waves? I think to make a career out of surfing big waves, you need to do it when you're young. I think if you're one of those groms um, that's 12, 13, getting a photo at Shippies or um, now some of the guys are at Chopu, they're 15, 16, going absolutely berserk. I think to make a name for yourself, it's much harder to do it at, I think when I started actually not getting a name for myself, I don't have a very big name, but people started going, holy shit, Matt, Matt goes, Matt goes. It was, it was like 23. And like, if you're doing what I was doing at 14, 15, there's several people like Russ, Kip, they're all doing it from so young and they're the ones that are successful now. Um, I think for, to, to make a, like me and Cooey both, both did it really late and now we love it and we chase it really hard, but it's harder to, to make it in the industry when you're already kind of this old. Not that we're old, we've still got plenty of time to do it, but it's hard to make a name for yourself. I yeah, think. for sure. And I guess like that's just, like those names you mentioned are just the smallest fraction of the guys that do it. And it's yeah. even like, I don't know what's happening with the big wave um, world tour at the moment, but I keep cancelling it and bringing it back. And yeah. it just doesn't really make sense to me that we aren't really throwing more weight behind this thing. Because if you talk about progression, like guys doing calves, airs on 50 foot waves or yeah. surfing a 50 foot wave like Kyle Lenny that just looks like it's a, it looks like he's surfing snapper in a heat. Exactly. Like that's the most progressive thing in surfing at the moment in my opinion. And people want to watch it. People want to see the hours comp that Red Bull run and the amount of people that tuned into the Shipsterns comp. I know the Shipsterns comp didn't quite go to plan but um, the, people want to see that kind of stuff. I think the WSL needs to maybe change their approach on the big wave competitions and put more stops around the world and like do what they do with the search, like the search for the normal WSL. There's a, there's a spot in Mexico on this USG land and they need to add like an alternative spot in each, maybe put one in Australia, ours or the ride or shipsterns for the world tour just to get more views and get more money thrown at it. Um, I think the I think two stops are at Nazare this year, two toe comps, um, which is epic. But there's not much reward in surfing Nazare. Nazare, unless it's absolutely huge, it's kind of still boring to watch. There's no like the Owls comp was the most successful comp, pretty much ever I think. Um, and there's no Maverick stop anymore. South Africa has a couple of crazy big wave spots, even Australia, and they're just not putting them on the rack and. There's not even um, B-grade comps anymore. Like, I can't go on a comp. I'd love to go on a big wave comp. And I'm sure Kip, Russ, Cooey, um, several people on the South Coast um, that would love to go in. Russ is obviously on the world tour, but the, the B-grade people, I'd love to go on a comp. Even if it's not to win money, it's just to compete in big waves. I think there needs to be a not a WQS, but a place that you can prove to people that you can do it without having to be on the world stage. Yeah, I'd love sure. to see a B-grade comp, even just one or two in Australia, or you might be able to travel. Like QS surfers can do it. Why can't, why can't we have a comp at Porto Escondido or Mavericks that we can fly to and put a rashi on them? 
hundred percent, man. I think that's would be that would go so far in just supporting the whole movement. Like you know what what they're doing now with the Challenger series, they're trying to make that better so that the you get more quality coming through to the WSL. Like imagine the local community every time as you know a big swell could go to dead you know once a year go to Deddy's or go to Wedding Cake Island or something and watch that. Like the community would be a huge turnout. Massive. It'd be they'd, massive. They'd probably get more people turning up for that than they would be for the Challenger Series at Manly in two foot. Yeah, 100%. The sponsors would get behind it. Um, and hopefully we see it happen. I know Hippo has been talking about trying to run more big wave comps, which would be amazing. Um, I mean, my dream would to be on the, would be to get a spot in the Red Bull comp. I think that would, that's anyone's dream that's trying to, make a name for himself um but we'll see see sure. what happens see if some sponsors can throw some money in and run some comps hopefully some sponsors listen to this <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah talking about you, you touched on uh meaning to start when you're a kid is kind of the best way to make a name for yourself in the big wave surfing world what advice would you have to younger groms or i guess even even adults that kind of want to take the next step to really push their boundaries and start catching bigger waves who might be capable but not confident um what's your advice for these train and go do it i mean i i had money when i was 16 i left school and i was doing an apprenticeship at 16 so i had money i should have just chased more more waves and and tried to surf bigger waves when I was younger. Um, just go do it. It's it's a lifestyle. I've met some of my best mates from all around the world surfing these kind of waves and surfing normal waves. And I've had opportunities to surf guide and um, and meet people all around the world. I met some people over in um, Tassie a couple of weeks ago that I hadn't really hung out with. And because I was there, we now I feel like we're mates. We're hanging out. We they let me stay at their house and keeping in contact it's just like you you meet so many people and you can travel the world without spending too much money having good times if that's what you're into highly recommend doing it okay you touched on tassie there uh we might just get me into your headspace what 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 were you thinking when that that swell popped up and what kind of was a trigger that made you want to get over there for that shipstone swell honestly i was pretty pissed off that i'd missed i was in south oz in the middle of nowhere, kind of quite away from a while away from um, an airport, and I missed a dead man swell that was pumping. I missed a really good shippy swell um, two weeks before the one that dead man's happened, and I missed a cape swell. I think I missed three swells all while I was in South Oz. South Oz was amazing, had a ball, but like I was like, I'm missing all these swells. I'm surfing four foot, like having a ball, but in my head, I want to be there at every swell. Um, and then I got to WA and I realised, shit, I don't need to be at work for seven days. I reckon I can go do five days in Tassie and just get it out of me. I haven't surfed a big wave in shit a year. Like I, I was living in Byron and got the Cura swells, but nothing big. I missed a couple of swells at home. And I just really needed to get it out of me before I was about to start in the mines. Um, and so I just pulled the pin. I didn't know. I was kind of thinking that work would call me while I was in Tassie saying, you need to come to Perth and fly out tomorrow. Um, but that never happened. And then, uh, yeah, nothing happened, so I never actually ended up starting work. Yeah. <laughs> um, so for, have you surfed down in the Tassie much before? Kind of for the uninitiated, what type of wave is shippies? Can you, can you describe it from like getting down there to how the brakes actually kind of configured? Yeah, I, I think I've been there four or five times now. Um, I love the place. Tassie's beautiful. Um, the people are really nice. 
Uh, it's just cold, it's freezing. You're in five mil wetsuits in winter, it's six mil gloves, booties, hood, freezing, paddling around in circles, trying to stay warm. It's like, I think one time there was ice in the car park when I was trying to get ready. It's like middle of winter, it's freezing. This time I was quite nice. I was only in a 4.3 um, and booties and a hood. Um, it was the first day was like huge. It was like a tow day, full tow day. There was only four of us out. Um, everyone thought the wind was going to be a bit sus. And to be honest, I think it was meant to be. And we just got super lucky that the wind was semi-glassy. And um, we got around there. It was maybe like 15 foot, maybe a few bigger ones. And there was like four foot current lines on the inside. There was just water moving everywhere. It wasn't pretty at all. It was crazy. Um, but that's the kind of day where you can take off and the whole wave can just turn inside out. There's like from one to two to three to sometimes four lips in the wave. And when you're taking off, you're letting go of the rope. Nine times out of 10, you're committing to a wave that you don't know what's gonna happen. Um, hopefully you're gonna make it. Uh, fell off a lot on that Wednesday just because of how unruling it was. I was on a, I was actually really not prepared for the trip. I, um, I had no tow board and I didn't have any paddle boards for ship stands. Um, I had boards, but they weren't, they weren't made for out there. Um, the tow board I had was made for Nazare. So if, if you know anything about that, Nazare boards weigh about eight kilos or more. Super heavy, really not made for ship stands. I think Danny picked up the wrong, the wrong board from his mate's house, so I just wrote it. Um, he's goofy, so I couldn't use his, his straps a different place. Um, and I really, going back, I really need to be more prepared and make sure that I'm on good boards um, made for out there. Um, obviously, I was in West Oz, so I didn't have my tow board with me yet. And my paddle board um, was kind of made for like Kira or or maybe like four foot hours, little sucky things. But um, yeah, going back, I'm gonna make sure I have my tow boards and my paddle boards ready, because you, you need them. You need to make sure that you're on the best equipment and um, Dylan's all over it, he's shaping me a tow board now and he's getting me some shippies, um, shippies boards dialed. Um, so what's what a shippy uh, tow and paddle board look like for you? To me, a, ship, uh, a tow board is, is like, a normal board, like a normal slight step up with maybe a touch more weight It's and straps. Pretty much, I don't want a heavy board out there. I want to be able to maneuver it and around the step and do whatever I want. Maybe like sometimes a little carve under the lip to try and wash speed off before the step so you're not going super fast over it. Um, and then paddle boards just uh, not too much volume. Uh, and not too big. I think we rode like a, I think I rode a 6.4, felt like the right length, but maybe it touched too much volume. Um, yeah. Yeah, and um, so that was the first day, that was a, the toe day, and then the day that you um, did your knee, was that a paddle day? Yeah, so we did the toe day, which was massive, and yeah. then the next day uh, was a Thursday, and that was a paddle day. Um, there was no... There was no uh, toe, no toe ones all day, um, and that was a nice, clean, glassy day. Maybe six to eight foot. wasn't very big. Everyone was just kind of having fun, big smile on our face. Kind of, it wasn't scary or or massive or anything. Uh, then we had a day off on the Friday, and then the Saturday was 
we towed in the morning as soon as we got there. Uh, Danny got a tow one, I got a tow one, um, and a few other boys got a tow, couple of tow ones. And then after about half an hour to an hour, a few paddlers started to paddle out, and then there was just no one called it, but pretty much everyone just stopped towing, which was pretty psycho because there were certainly still tow ones coming through. And some of the lids and a few of the surfers were having a crack at tow ones, which was pretty sick. Yeah, who else was in the lineup at this stage? Like Nathan um, Florence was out there? Pretty much everyone that hunts, really. Like Nathan Florence was out there. He was doing really well. Russ, Solly Bailey, Kit. Uh, and then the local boys were dominating. Marty got some of the craziest paddle waves I've seen out there. Um, Mikey Brennan got a crazy one. Um, and then just the, the local lids were going mad on the tow ones. The big south ones, the steep takeoffs, some of the airdrops they were doing were mental. Yeah, I saw a couple of those clips. That was insane. Um, yeah. How was the, the vibe at this stage? They're all kind of welcoming it was down sick. there. sick. Everyone was getting waves. Um, the local boys were getting the waves that they wanted and, and the people that were that flew in were still getting good waves that they wanted. So everyone, I don't think there was any um, dramas in the lineup at all. Everyone was being super respectful for everyone. Um, and everyone was just having a good time. The boys on the boat were legless by nine in the morning there was like one boat that danny was driving and some of the boys didn't want to surf so they just brought a couple of cases of beer out and just watched and yelled and it was hilarious actually what a show yeah um and then so yeah you got some good ones to start off with and then one wave came through that i saw the video of it and i didn't know you're breaking your knee at this stage but i was just like wow that just looks horrible that wipeout. yeah i didn't find my rhythm as well as i like to in the paddle stages um i kept falling off or picking the wrong waves or um, not quite getting in rhythm. I didn't really get the wave I wanted. Um, I went, I had this kind of fuck it attitude in my head, like I'm going whatever comes and it just, the wave that I wanted never came. Um, I got this double up really crazy heavy one. It wasn't a huge one, but there was heaps of water behind it. Um, knifed it was probably one of the best takeoffs i've ever done and i was stoked i didn't make the wave it just clamped at the end but i was like holy shit all i want to do is make one like that and then the boat was leaving and i was like i just want to get one more like i just want to make a make a good one and um the boat left waited out the back and um i saw this big lump coming through and i just put my head down i'd been waiting a bit and i just looked to see if anyone else was going Sam Thomas was right next to me, the bodyboarder, thinking that, like, this is a bodyboard one kind of thing. He's like, you going? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, shit, really? I'm like, I think so. <laughs> and I just had my head down, and normally I go waves that I think I'm going to make. Out there, it's like, it's like you never know whether you're going to make it or not. I thought I was in the perfect spot. I was under it, um, made the first airdrop. Normally, when you make the first airdrop on a, on a good one, you have a little bit of time to figure out where the step is and what your next move is but as soon as I made the drop the step was right there and I remember just going shit I made the drop now I need to like I don't even have time to regather my balance I'm just like boom straight there and I try to lean my weight forward to to get over the step and slip back and the lip just landed straight on my knee oh. and um instantly I, I thought I, I thought it slipped I thought I dislocated it um my whole leg went limb like jelly um and I was like, oh, no, I've done something pretty bad under here. I was under for quite a while. Yeah, so you're getting ragged old, yeah. and you can feel your knee just kind of like... It was it was like sideways, yeah. Yeah. Like, not good. And then I was trying to do a breaststroke to get to the to get to get the top, and I was kind of going one way. Like my, my left leg wasn't doing breaststroke. 
And I was like, oh no. And as soon as I came up, I just looked over to the boats and the skis and put my hand up and waved to them, kind of like, I need help. Um, and then I got another wave on the head. Oh, it must make it so much worse. Like just having your knee in that state and then you get that turbulence. Yeah, for sure. Does it do Luckily, more damage when it's like that? The doctors say like. I'm sure it does. They yeah, can't be good for it. For sure. <laughs> um, I was just thinking, shit, stay away from the rocks. Like I'm not going to be able to get, if I, if this is a 10 wave set, I was pushed through the rocks earlier, but I was fine because I had two legs <laughs> um, but I'm like shit if I get put in that spot again I'm not going to be able to climb up the rocks and, and get out of this so I was like just just get away from the rocks get away from the rocks and um, uh, Tyler and Mikey were packing up and they came and they came and made sure I was alright and at this stage underwater of the second one I was like shit I really hope I haven't just put my hand up and asked for help when I'm not even that sore so I was like trying to figure out whether my knee was painful or not because you still don't know, like you're still getting flogged. The last thing you're thinking about is the pain in your knee. And I'm like, hopefully I haven't just been like a bit of a wink going, oh, I need help, I need help, and my knee's fine. It's got a little scratch. Sometimes you're underwater. <laughs> Put a Band-Aid on it. You think you're completely wrecked. Sometimes you're like, shit, I've just broken my back or I've just pulled my, torn my shoulder out. And you get up and you're fine. And then like you get a wave again 10 minutes later. But other times for this instance... I didn't know how bad it was and I already asked for help. I'm like, oh shit, I hope I've actually hurt myself because <laughs> I've just asked for help and ended up, they put me on the ski and um, the slate already had their boards tied to it. So they've got, tried tried to take off in the, um, there's like turbulence on the inside when it's big. You can't really just sit there on a ski. It's like trucks to tip you over, there's like currents and stuff. So they've tried to take off and I'm on top of their boards and um, I fell off the back of their ski and I knew straight away that I was in pain there because I came off sideways and just instant pain one of the groms came and got me on the ski and um, he put me on the back and uh, I went over to Marty and I'm like I think I've dislocated my knee and he's like can you move it and I tried lifting up my knee and this whole I thought it was a bone but it could have been like my ligament came like sideways out of my my knee it broke through the, the skin no it didn't break through the skin but it, it like it was a huge lump and he's oh. like no 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 like put it down yeah and then like everyone i just hear everyone screaming like in the lineup oh shit math don't dislocate his knee and i was like oh great um they got me up on the boat luckily uh pepper was still there with the boat and he just put me up there and i was like no, i don't want to ruin you guys the rest of your arvo you guys just surf and take me back to the boat ramp like whenever um, I probably waited on the boat for about half an hour while the boys were getting their last waves and luckily it was four on Yarbo so it didn't really ruin their day by them having to take it back but I think after about 10 minutes of laying there it was like excruciating pain like I yeah. put a, I put my jacket in my mouth which like I was wanting to scream the, the 40 minute boat ride back to the boat ramp every single bump you go over my leg was just going like like jolt jolt and I was like oh shit just get me back to the boat ramp do you have any pain relief in the stage or um one of the Hawaiians I think Nathan Florence's um cameraman gave me some Panadol but like yeah, I think Panadol's pretty minimal there. yeah too much then we got back to the boat ramp and we were taking my stuff off the boat and my phone dropped in the water and I was like just the icing on the cake yeah I lost my phone so I got it back with it broke a couple of days later so to find your phone yeah <laughs> And so, and was it hard to get you out from there? You just you just kept the boat back around, and then we met by an ambulance or anything. You had to go. Yeah, um, we got the boat around, and then they just sat me on the wharf. Uh, and then about an hour or forty minutes later, the ambos turned up, and 
gave me the green whistle and all the boys that were blind were trying to grab the green whistle <laughs> off me and try and take it himself. <laughs> and it was pretty funny. It was like, I was in positive, like there's nothing yeah. you can do. You just got to go with it. Everyone was in having a good time. Everyone just been super fouled for a couple of days. So I was just kind of pissed off. I couldn't go celebrate and have beers with everyone and finish my trip, but ended up in hospital and getting x-rays. And yeah, and what, what the doctor said, the, the damage was... Funnily enough, like at this stage, I could fit, like, it looked like I had someone just stuck, like, a baseball or a tennis ball under my skin on the inside. It was just, like, the biggest lump ever. And um, I got an x-ray, and a doctor came out and was like, oh, yeah, you fractured your, your kneecap. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, is that, is that bad? Like, I cast six weeks. I was like, is that bad? And he was like, oh, well, it depends what's happened with the other stuff. And he was pressing where he thought it was broken. And it didn't hurt. And I was like, he's like, does this hurt? I'm like, no. He's like, does this hurt? I'm like, no. And he's like, well, there's a fracture there. Maybe it's a past injury. Maybe you've already had a fractured kneecap and you just didn't know. And I was like, oh, that's weird. Um, and you couldn't do any MRI until I got back to Sydney. So Mikey was like nice enough to let me stay at his place the night. And then um, I went and caught up with a couple of the boys the next day. Had a beer with them, sent them off. My boards and wetsuits and stuff were still at the boat ramp. So I had to wait for them to get back to me that someone was driving this way and then um, Dane Woods wheeled me around the airport and got me on a plane and got me back to Sydney. Yeah, nice. That's a crazy story, man. I'm yeah. glad you're uh, getting back to health now. Yeah. Because it didn't look pretty from like, I think I saw it, you put an x-ray up or something and it was like... Uh, I put a photo up of two knees together. Yeah, that's the one. The knee was just sideways. Yeah. Like, oh, shit, yeah. <laughs> Crazy story. Um, all right, to finish off, we just end with like some quick fire questions usually. So if you're going to give your 16-year-old self any life advice, what would it be? Um, like what I said before, chase more waves. Yeah. Um, just try and make a name for yourself at 16 because I knew I liked it. I knew I liked surfing big waves and I did. Like I was normally the... I'd always just paddle out sometimes by myself, other times like trying to get one of the older boys or my mate Riley used to come out with me, try and get as many big waves as I can when I'm younger. I should have just travelled and surfed proper big waves instead of just the stuff around here. Yeah, good advice. Um, if you could have dinner with one person dead or alive, who would it be and why? Oh, shit. Maybe like Shane Warne in his day or... Joey Johns or someone just hilarious that we'll have beers with all night and just find out st- the stories they've got. Those guys would have the funniest stories. For sure. Actually, I met Shane Warren at the airport when I was like 12 or something. He's the biggest gentleman. Yeah. He, like, we were, he was right behind us in the customs line for going to South Africa. Yeah. And like, just said hi. Got chatting because my dad was a cricket fan. Got chatting and then left. And then we, we were just picking our bags up and he went and came and found us and he's like, Loving to meet you guys. Like, have a great trip. Yeah, he'd have some. They'd have some funny stories. Or like anyone of that caliber that likes to party and have just got wild stories. I reckon just you could sit down and listen to them all night. I reckon. Yeah. Um, if you were going to travel, if you had one um, country left to travel for a surf trip, what would it be and why? Probably Mexico. I've always just wanted to go park up in Mexico for a whole season. Um, it's got extremely big waves, Pasquale's, Puerto Escondido, um, that are similar to South Melbourne, which I've grown up 
surfing. Um, and then you can just go down to the point grapes on like 20 and just have so much fun. Some of them, sometimes there's not many people out or um, cheap beers, good tacos. I don't know. It's, to me, the simple life of Mexico is just has everything going for it. It's a dream. Yeah. Um, where do you see the future of surfing going? Paddling. Some of the things that the Tahitians are paddling and some of the things that shippies that people are paddling, it's it's insane. Sooner or later, within the next couple of years, someone's going to paddle a crazy one on the right. It's just a matter who it is. Um, I know people say, like, it can't be done, but they've been saying that about waves for years. Everyone's like, jaws can't be paddled, shippies can't be paddled, and then, like, it, it's going to happen. I just want to see someone pack a 10-footer, 15-footer at the right. It'll be done. That's where the future is. Um, that and like exploration of like other waves that are hard to get to um, now that people have funding I think they're going to be able to get choppers to waves in the middle of nowhere and just surf crazy waves I think slab surfing filming and stuff as well movies and blogs now that they're kind of happening and it's going to get better and better and paddling's just going to be wild that's a good place to leave it thanks Matt that was a lot of fun sounds good if you enjoyed this episode of ocean matters podcast powered by board socks then please don't forget to rate review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts we would be incredibly grateful to keep this show moving in the right direction and to keep spreading the word and the stories of the ocean's beautiful powers to people from all walks of life